Thanks for tuning in to The Living Grace in Today's World podcast, brought to you by Grace Bible Church in Georgetown, Texas. Our pastor, Dave Roberts, shares this message from the Bible about God's gift of grace and what it looks like to be people of grace in today's world. It is our prayer that you will see how different God's grace really is from everything else. Welcome to Living Grace in Today's World. Enjoy! Welcome to the Living Grace in Today's World podcast. My name is Dave Roberts. I'm pastor of Grace Bible Church in Georgetown, Texas. In today's episode, I want to expand on something I said in my Sunday sermon, which was this past Sunday, July 2nd, 2023. At the beginning of my message, I said that I believe we have entered the season at which time the rapture of the church will take place. I want to go into some more detail as to why I think that, but before I do, I want to address something that is so common in today's church, and um, that is a resistance to anyone who talks about the signs of the times. I hear Christians saying all the time that, well, Scripture teaches that no one knows the day or the hour. This is going to happen. And they interpret it to mean that we should be completely indifferent to the timing of the event. I'm not sure where this attitude comes from because that certainly was not the attitude Jesus had when he walked this earth and talked about his return. Well, let me give you a few examples. In Mark 13, 28 and 29, Jesus says this, Now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. Even so, you too, when you see things happening, recognize that he is near, right at the door. Now, we're going to come back to that verse a little later, but uh, let me say this. Jesus tells us what the world will be like right before he comes so that we will be aware. In Luke 17, he says, it will be just like the days of Noah, when everyone is living normally, not expecting anything, except Noah himself. He was. He was expecting. He was prepared. He heeded the word of the Lord. And one day, him and his family, they boarded the ark, and then the rain began to fall. Jesus goes on to say, it's going to be like the days of Lot, where he and his family escaped Sodom and Gomorrah before the wrath of God was poured out. In Matthew 25, Jesus tells the parable of the ten virgins, where five had oils in their lamps, were ready. They were expecting the return of the bridegroom. Five were caught unprepared. Scripture teaches that believers in Christ will be rescued or raptured before the wrath of God is poured out during the tribulation. Because that would make it like the days of Noah, which Jesus said. It would make it like the days of Lot, where God's people were preemptively removed before the calamity. And once the church is removed, there will be incredible pain inflicted upon the world. The Antichrist will be identified. He will rise to power. People will have to receive the mark of the beast in order to buy and sell. Scripture tells us in Matthew 24 that this great tribulation will be the worst days the world has ever seen or will ever see. If you're someone who says, well, sure, the rapture will happen one day, but I'm, 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 not, I'm not concerned with it. It's probably not going to happen in my lifetime. Let me remind you of 2 Peter 3, verse 3. Knowing this, first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking following after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? 
For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. This is a lot of Christians today. Well, they have a theological understanding of the rapture and subsequent return of Christ, but they live as though, oh, it's just a long ways off. And I was thinking about this the other day, and I think I thought, you know, that's exactly where the Jewish people were when Jesus came the first time. For centuries, they had this theological belief that one day the Messiah would come. It was as if the belief of the future event was so theologically ingrained into them that when it was fulfilled right before him, well, they couldn't accept it. Their theology always said, someday, not today. And Christians today believe in the second coming, sure, as some distant future event. But simply, many are not ready to accept that the day is fast approaching. And there may be different reasons for that. Some, some want to live out their lives before Jesus returns. And they're, they have a bias towards everything just being normal. Everything's going to stay the same. Some have hopes for their future. They want to see their grandkids or how their career turns out or whatever. You know what I want to say to that? Really? Do you realize how glorious it will be when we finally get home? Do you realize how silly you're going to feel after you see what Jesus has been preparing and thinking, I wanted to delay this? Really? See, Jesus never meant that we should be ignorant to the timing of his return when he said no one knows the day or the hour. It was quite the opposite. And having said that, I always think it very unwise to set dates and hours because Jesus said no one knows. He doesn't want us focused on the speculation of the day and hour, but wants us aware of what will be happening in the world right before he returns. He wants us to know the season of his return. He wants us to live a rapture-expectant life. I want to take a few minutes to recap what I said this past Sunday and then give you a little more detail about the signs of the times. First of all, as I said, Jesus himself said that when he returns, the climate will be as in the days of Lot, the cultural climate. So what were the days of Lot referring to? Well, it's the rescuing of Lot before the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And we read this in the seventh verse of Jude. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they in the same way as these indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh, are exhibited as an example in undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. So it gives us a description of Sodom and Gomorrah and the great sin that was going on there. And it, it talks about this strange flesh. And the word strange flesh, it means their immorality went after unnatural relationships. It's a definite reference to homosexuality. In Genesis 19, we have the men of Sodom going to the house of Lot, looking for other men with which to have sexual relationships. The days of Lot will be the worldwide acceptance of unnatural sexuality. We've just come through the month of June. 2023, and it was proclaimed as Pride Month to recognize and celebrate the LGBTQ movement. I saw a picture online where the White House was flying the rainbow flag, and it was in the middle, and the American flags were on the sides. This lifestyle, all month, being promoted, mainstreamed in the highest levels of our culture. And it's not just the U.S. It's happening in most of the world. 
To me, there is no doubt that we are living in the days of Lot. And now that the U.S. has officially embraced godlessness, well, the whole world is living as in the days of Lot. Another example, the United Nations began Agenda 2030 eight years ago in 2015. It's this worldwide plan to eliminate hunger and poverty and all disparities in the world by 2030. Some refer to it as the Fourth Industrial Revolution or the Great Reset. And if you read through their SDGs, which is Sustainable Development Goals, you will see that the United Nations believes mankind will be able to solve all their problems by 2030. Well, but here's something you need to know. The plan is behind schedule. And so this September, they are convening a summit of the nations of the world to re-energize all efforts, to accelerate all efforts during the next seven years from 2023 to 2030 to achieve these lofty goals. In many ways, the COVID pandemic was just a mere dress rehearsal for what is coming. It was the panic that induced compliance to global lockdowns and ultimate state control without anyone casting a vote to authorize it. I would not be surprised if governments begin to declare other emergencies, such as a climate emergency, giving the government broad powers to limit all freedoms. And they're going to say the survival of the planet demands it. If you go on the website of the World Economic Forum, which is integral to Agenda 2030, they say by the year 2030, you will own nothing and be very happy. What? They reiterate how important the next seven years are to achieving this utopian future. Please understand, I'm not being conspiratorial here because these groups are actually saying these things. This is what they are pursuing and they have most world governments, major corporations, academia, media convinced this is important to the future of the planet. Another bit of evidence. In Matthew 24 and Mark 13, the imagery of the fig tree is given, which is figurative of Israel. Jesus says, when you see the fig tree putting forth leaves, you know summer is near, that he is right at the door. Then he says, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. In 1948, Israel was restored to its homeland. This is the fig tree putting forth leaves. This generation will not pass until all is completed. Many believe that that means the generation that saw the return of Israel to its homeland will not pass before all of these end-time events are completed. A generation, 70 to 80 years. Interesting to note, in Genesis 12, 4, we read that Abraham left his homeland for the promised land at the age of 75. Israel has been in its homeland now for 75 years. Then there's this passage in Isaiah 46, verses 9 and 10, where God speaks through the prophet. He says this, I am God, and there was no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things which have not been done. Could it be that the beginning, the story of creation, declares the end of times also? Now here's what I mean. If we go back to 2 Peter 3, we read this. Remember, 2 Peter 3 is in the context of the return of Christ. Verse 8. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved. Now, that phrase, that ought to make us stop and think, okay, what's coming? He says, but do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. 
The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. As Peter is speaking of the return of Christ, he says, one day is like a thousand years. Don't let this one fact escape your notice. Could it be that the number of seven days of God's complete creation also means 7,000 years for the complete story of mankind? Could it be that God has declared the end all the way from the beginning? Isaiah 46. I think it's something to strongly consider. If we count back the generations that we have in the Bible, we can pretty much see that Christ came about 4,000 years after Adam. Four days. <laughs> and we know that once Christ returns, there's going to be another millennia. There's going to be a thousand-year reign where there will be peace and rest one final day. Remember, the seventh day of creation was what? Sabbath. Rest. So we have those initial four thousand years. The last 1,000, that's five days. So we have these 2,000 years that we are in now. And it's been about 2,000 years since Christ's life, his death, resurrection. So we are near the end of the 6,000th year or the sixth day about to enter the seventh millennium. Wow, I think it's something to consider. With the world moving faster and faster toward a one-world government, with the rise of rampant godlessness, one must be aware that it sure seems like we are on the threshold of this coming event. So, if that is true, time is of the essence. People need to know Jesus before the window of opportunity closes. There's going to be people in our lives, people that we know, people in the church, people who grew up in the church and are no longer the church, and, and, and perhaps they're putting off becoming a Christian because for whatever reason, they have some living they want to do, and they feel as though Christ is going to get in the way of their fun or their career or their own management of their life. I would say in many ways, these people are genuinely open to truth. They just need to be convinced of how short the time really is. But then there are people, I think in each of our lives, who seem closed to the gospel. For whatever reason, they've decided Jesus isn't real, or the church is bad, or the world has more to offer, and they are literally closed spiritually. Guess what? I have a strategy for them too. <laughs> My strategy is, of course, to speak to them, but I don't hold out a lot of hope that that bears a lot of fruit. My strategy for them is to prepare a detailed manuscript of biblical truth that they can access after the rapture. I call it my rapture doc. <laughs> I believe there's just countless people who grew up in the church, heard these truths, and then decided to reject them for whatever reason. But don't you think millions of people leaving the planet all at once may convince them, ah, maybe the rapture really is true. And maybe that's what just happened. And maybe Jesus really is the Savior of the world, and I'm still here. Uh-oh. They'll remember what they were taught as a child and conclude, I need Jesus. And in this manuscript, I have let them know that they still have time to come to Jesus during the seven years of tribulation. Just turn to him. Believe he is the Son of God, because he is. Believe he is the Savior of the world, because he is. He is the one who has died for them, that they may be forgiven of all their sins, so they can know God, so they can live eternally with him. 
I've let them know that the world will become extremely dangerous for people who come to faith in Christ during the Great Tribulation after the rapture. But I also let them know it will be far better to be killed and lose your worldly life and gain eternal life with Christ. As Christians, we see what's happening in the world and we don't fear because we know our bridegroom is on his way. We know the prophecies of the scripture. We know they are true. We know they will take place. We know that we who are alive when he comes will be caught up to meet him in the air, to be forever with him. I say these are exciting days to be a Christian. Remember this. The world has always been about Jesus. He is the creator, he is the redeemer, and he is our coming king. Do you know him today? Thanks for joining us. One, two, three, four. We do hope that you've enjoyed this episode today. If you'd like to learn more about Grace Bible Church in Georgetown, Texas, please visit us at gbcgt.org. Many blessings from our church family to yours.